Welcome to Awaken Life Church podcast. For more information about our church, please visit awakenlifechurch.net. We hope you enjoy this message by Joy Willette. Yeah, we're really excited uh, about VBS this year. This is the first year that we're doing um, Bethel's uh, VBS curriculum. So it'll be really, really exciting um, to see that. We're really excited about it. Um, I also want to um, just brag on the Lord and give him glory, but um, it's been awesome to see uh, intercessory prayer growing like crazy. I think I counted like 14 people came to intercessory prayer yesterday. I'm like, that is amazing. Like you get the church praying, (laughs) man, like power. That's like, that's so powerful. And so thank you to all who are coming. We're having a blast and anyone's welcome to come anytime. We just, we just get blasted in the Holy Spirit and we just pray over everything as, as he leads. We, we worship, we turn on music and you know, we're, we're joyful about it. It's actually really, really fun. And, uh, and we just pray as the Lord leads. So if you'd like to, um, join us on Saturday mornings at 9 AM, uh, I'm just so excited. Just, just, you know, that many people, that percentage of a church, our size, I'm just like, yeah, God be glorified. Amen. <laughs> Awesome, awesome. So uh, I put out a uh, encouragement, a video encouragement the other day, and I feel like there's, uh, it, there's like a timeliness to it, so I just want to release it to you all in case uh, for some of you who are not on Facebook or if you didn't see it or whatever. So um, the Lord put on my heart, um, arise and shine. Arise and shine. This is a season to arise and shine. And um, like each one of us carries a glory of the Lord. Each one of us carries a lens to look through. Each one of us carries a gifting and a calling. And all of us put together, when you see the tapestry, forms the picture of Jesus' image on the earth. Amen? Amen. So what we want to do is we want to arise and shine in everything that Jesus created us to be. And that creates part of that full picture. Does that make sense? Um, So the Lord actually gave me a dream um, about six months ago, and in the dream, um, I was holding a baby girl, and the thought in my head um, was, I'm not worthy to take care of this baby girl. Like, you know how in dreams, like, you just kind of, that's just the storyline, and it just makes sense to you. So I'm thinking, I'm not worthy to carry, to take care of this little girl. I don't have the tools. I'm not qualified. You know, so I'm walking into this warehouse, and this is the most normal thing in the world in the dream. And uh, like everybody does this, so many people do this, that's kind of the storyline of the dream. And there's all these little gift boxes and receptacles just kind of piled up everywhere. And I go and I lay the baby girl into this round gift box, it's got a cushion in it. And once I lay her in there, I step back and I see um, there's babies everywhere. And instantly it's like reality hits and it's horror. It's like, oh my gosh, like, all these babies are just left alone here, you know, and, and it's, like, it's like the babies don't go anywhere. Nobody else comes and adopts them. They're just in this room alone and crying. And um, so I knew in the dream, I'm going to pick this baby back up because this isn't okay. So I woke up and I started praying and asking the Lord, okay, Lord, what does that mean? What are, what are you speaking? And Holy Spirit started telling me about Romans 11:29 and how the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. So what that means is the gifts and the calling that he's placed inside of you, you could walk away from Jesus today. It doesn't stop the fact that those things are still inside of you. Does that make sense? And those things inside of you are not given to somebody else. They're not replaced. There's nothing that you know, will fulfill that thing inside of you except for you. And so what the Lord was showing me is that so many people 
think that they're unqualified, think that they don't have what it takes to uh, raise and nurture the gifts that God has placed inside of them, to reach the full potential of what God has done um, in their lives and what um, he's called them to do. And they think they're doing the world a favor by laying that thing down and saying, someone else will do this instead. Someone more qualified is going to do that instead of me. I'm making room for someone else to come and do this when the truth of the matter is nobody else is going to do it. So us arising and shining um, means that we're going to um, represent Jesus on the earth. And when any one of us shrinks back, we're not making room for someone else. What we're actually making room for is darkness. Dun, dun, dun. I know it got like really dramatic there for a second, but it's true. Because the truth is, it's like darkness can't shine. Amen? Like you can't shine darkness into a room, right? So when you see darkness and you see that darkness is growing, it's actually not that the darkness is growing, it's that the lights are going out. Amen? Amen. So if we're not arising and shining, you are not making room for someone else to arise and shine. You are giving place for the enemy to be in that spot. Does that make sense? So it's a very sobering thought, but it's, it's all to say that it is not humility to lay down something that God has called you to do. It's not humility to say, I'm not qualified to write that book, to start that business, to teach that class, to X, Y, Z, whatever the thing is that, that um, you may be uh, tempted to shrink away from, uh, because no one else is going to fulfill that, and no one else is going to fulfill that the way you do and the people that you're supposed to reach. And so I just want to encourage you, um, that's not humility to lay those things down. It's actually humble to know God is going to do it and he's with me. Like my qualifications are irrelevant because he equips the called. Amen? So the things he's calling you to do, the most humble thing you can do is say, yes, Jesus, I don't know how, but I trust you that you can do it. Amen? 1 Thessalonians 5.24 says, He who promised is faithful, and he will also bring it to pass. So our job is just seriously just get in his presence, connect to him, connect to the vine, um, walk out what he's saying just step by step. It's like he takes us on little baby steps, and then next thing you know, it's like our, our calling and our gifting is just unfolding. Amen? Do you receive that this morning? All right, so Jesus, we just thank you so much, God, for that word, Father, and I just bless every single one who hears this message, Lord, um, to be awakened to the things that maybe we've laid down, the things that we thought we weren't worthy to carry, the things that we thought we weren't worthy to care for and nurture and grow in, Father. And Lord, I just, um, I just break every lie of, un of disqualification. In Jesus' name, God, I thank you, Father, that you decide and you have fearfully and wonderfully made every single one of us, God. And so I just impart grace right now to begin to awaken those things that you're calling us to step into and awaken the, that, uh, that light in our hearts, Father, that we would arise and shine for your glory in Jesus' name. And we just thank you for it, God. And I just ask for your anointing on this message, Father, to go forward, Father. Lord, I ask, Father, that, um, that you would just anoint our ears, our minds, our hearts, God, um, to receive, Father. Anoint me, Father, as I preach. Let it be your words, God. Um, I pray that you would be glorified, Father. And I pray that it would uh, carry a grace in your presence to achieve what you want to achieve in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. All right, <laughs> so we're going to talk about something today um, that is a really important subject. This is sort of like a foundational teaching, um, but it's sort, of, it's sort of more than that. So I have a question for you, and this is um, open for you to answer, okay? Where do we get our identity from? 
Father God, Jesus. Amen? So we don't get our identity. I'm like, amen, yay, we've been teaching good in here. <laughs> we teach so much on identity. It's like, yes, that's our identity. Our identity is in Christ, Christ in me. It's God. That's where we get our identity from. Amen? We don't get our identity from what we do. We don't get our identity from the job that we have or the things that we think we're good at. Our identity comes from him. Amen? So can we walk in our true identity if we don't accept who he is? No. So if someone does not know who Jesus is, they are not walking in the fullness of their identity because they don't know him and he is our identity. Amen? Amen. Okay. Um, and all of us walking in our identity in the diversity of, of the way that he created each one of us, but our identity is found in him. Amen. Okay. So us as women, where do we get our identity from? From Jesus, from God. Amen. Okay. So I have a question for you. And this is a question um, uh, that I sort of asked myself because I heard a statement and my reaction to it kind of surprised me. So I'm going to say a statement, and I want you to pay attention to how this feels, okay? I am so thankful for God in my life. She is amazing. How does that feel? Ah, uncomfortable. <laughs> People are squirming in their seats, maybe. Does it feel rebellious? Does it feel wrong? Does it feel, uh, what's the word? Like heresy, blasphemous? Does it feel derogatory? Why? <laughs> He's got all kinds of things to say. <laughs> He's like, it's too quiet. Okay. Because throughout the Bible, it does say he. Uh-huh. And we do hear God called as Father God. Amen. Now, don't get scared. I'm not about to tell you all that you got to start calling God she. Okay? Don't get scared. But I just want to point out some things that maybe we might not be aware of. Okay? So let's put on the screen Genesis 1.27. And it says, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Okay, so who was created in God's image? Male. Male and female. Yeah, we were created in his image. Okay, so we were created in his image. Men were created in his image. So encompassed in his image is both male and female. Yes? Amen? Amen? <laughs> okay, so half of God is she. Okay? Again, I'm not proposing that we're going to start calling God she, okay? But there is a she to God, okay? In Genesis, when it says the spirit was hovering over the waters, okay? The spirit, that's Holy Spirit, amen? The spirit that was hovering over the waters, that word in the Hebrew is ruach. It's literally a female name. There is no reference to Holy Spirit in the Old Testament that is a male name. Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh-oh. I know it's hard. Trust me. Like, trust me. I was very offended at this. And for me, if it ain't in the Word of God, it ain't true. 
So I had to study this stuff out massively, okay? Um, there is no reference to Holy Spirit in the Old Testament as male. It is always female, Ruach, okay? There is Father God. We know Jesus is male. Holy Spirit is referred to as female in the Old Testament. Wisdom is always referred to as a female in Proverbs. Have you ever noticed that? Wisdom is a she, okay? Where do we get wisdom from? Okay? So let me, let me just submit something to you. If it feels derogatory to find she in God, God doesn't think wisdom is derogatory to call wisdom she. Amen? For some of us, there might even be a stronghold of stupid women. Women aren't as smart. Women are meant for X, Y, Z. Okay? But God calls wisdom female. Okay? That's not to say that men are not wise. Okay? This is not a feminist message, I promise you. <laughs> feminist in, in, uh, in a negative way. Okay? Um, Proverbs 4, 4 through 6 says, Wisdom, she will protect you. Love her, and she will watch over you. Proverbs 4.13, she is your life. Proverbs 8, can we put Proverbs 8 up on the screen? Proverbs 8 says, does not wisdom call and understanding lift up her voice? On top of the heights beside the way, where the paths meet, she takes her stand. Beside the gates, at the opening to the city, at the entrance of the doors, she cries out, to you, O men, I call, and my voice is to the sons of men. O naive ones, understand prudence, and O fools, understand wisdom. Listen, for I will speak noble things, and the opening of my lips will reveal right things. For my mouth will utter truth, and wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the utterances of my mouth are in righteousness. There is nothing crooked or perverted in them. They are all straightforward to him who understands and right to those who find knowledge. Take my instruction and not silver and knowledge rather than choicest gold. For wisdom is better than jewels and all desirable things cannot compare with her. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence, and I find knowledge and discretion. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogance, and the evil way, and the perverted mouth I hate. Counsel is mine, and sound wisdom. I am understanding. Power is mine. By me, kings reign, and rulers decree justice. By me, princes rule, and nobles, all who judge rightly. I love those who love me, and those who diligently seek me will find me. Riches and honor are with me, enduring wealth and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold, even pure gold, and my yield better than choicest silver. I walk in the way of righteousness, in the midst of the paths of justice, to endow those who love me with wealth, that I may fill their treasuries. The Lord possessed me at the beginning of his way, before his works of old. From everlasting I was established, from the beginning, from the earliest times of the earth, when there was no depths, I, brought, I was brought forth. When there was no springs abounding with water. Before the mountains were settled, before the hills, I was brought forth. While he had not yet made the earth and the fields, nor the first dust of the world, when he established the heavens, I was there. 
when he inscribed a circle on the face of the deep, when he made firm the skies above, when the springs of the deep became fixed, when he set for the sea its boundary, so that the water would not transgress his command, when he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was beside him as a master workman, and I was daily his delight." Rejoicing always before him, rejoicing in the world, his earth, and having my delight in the sons of men. Now, therefore, O sons, listen to me, for blessed are they who keep my ways. Heed instruction and be wise and do not neglect it. All of that encompassed in she. Okay? Does that sound like God speaking? Amen? People quote that verse all the time. People who seek me find me, and they're quoting that as God's voice, okay? And is very clearly she. Very clearly. Wisdom. Very clearly. Where do we get wisdom from? Holy Spirit. We get wisdom from God. There is she. It even says, don't sin against her. Amen? Now, can you picture Pastor Daniel saying, Man, this guy at the park yesterday looked a little crazy, and I I was getting a little nervous, so I rose up like a mother bear to protect my kids. Can you picture him saying that? Probably not, right? Why would he say, I'm going to rise up like a mother bear? (laughs) Because there's nothing female in him. Amen? Like, just that's not going to be, he's going to be like, I rose up like a lion, you know? He's going to come up with a masculine term. Amen? He's not going to refer to himself as a mother bear, Okay? But God has no problems referring to himself as female and giving comparisons and analogies of himself as female. Amen? We already saw Genesis 1.27, women and men are both created in the image of God. If not, where did women come from? (laughs) Amen? Amen? Okay. Hosea 11, 3 to 4, God is described as a mother. God says, yet it was I who taught Ephraim to walk. I who took them up in my arms, but they did not know that I healed them. I led them with cords of human kindness, with bands of love. I was to them like those who lift infants to their cheeks. I bent down to them and fed them. He's projecting himself as a mother, okay? El Shaddai means many-breasted one in terms of one who feeds many people. Amen? Hosea 13.8 describes God as a mother bear. Like a bear robbed of her cubs, I will attack them and tear them asunder. Deuteronomy 32.11-12 describes God as a mother eagle, like the eagle that stirs up its nest and hovers over its young. God spreads wings to catch you and carries you on pinions. Deuteronomy 32.18, God who gives birth You were mindful of the rock that bore you. You forgot the God who gave you birth. That literally, the birth means to actually give birth to. It doesn't just mean to carry. It means actually physically give birth. Okay? Isaiah 66, 13 says, As a mother comforts her child, so I will comfort you. You shall be comforted in Jerusalem. Isaiah 49, 15, Can a woman forget her nursing child or show no compassion for the child of her womb? Even these may forget, yet I will not forget you. Isaiah 42, 14, uh, God is, uh, is uh, as a woman in labor. For a long time I have held my peace. I have kept myself still and restrained myself. Now I will cry out like a woman in labor. I will gasp and pant. Isaiah 46, 3-4, you who have been carried since birth, whom I have carried since the time you were born. In other words, we were incubated in God's womb. 
Um, we are protected under the shadow of his wings in Psalm 17, 8, Psalm 36, 7, Psalm 57, 1, Psalm 60, 61, 4. Psalm 131, 2 says, But I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother. My soul is like the weaned child that is within me. Psalm 123, 2-3, God is compared to a woman. It says, As the eyes of a maid look to the hand of her mistress, so our eyes look to you, Yahweh, until you show us your mercy. Matthew 23, 37, and Luke 13, 34, God is a mother hen. Jesus says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones, those who are sent to it, how often have I desired to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. Luke 15, 8 to 10, God is a woman looking for her lost coin. Jesus says, or what woman having 10 silver coins, if she loses one of them, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it. When she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so, I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. John 16, 21, God is bringing forth a new humanity like the pangs of a woman in labor whose hour has come. Everywhere you see the word compassion in the Old Testament, the word compassion literally means womb. Every time God talks about his compassion, he's referring to his womb. Being born again. If we are born again, who is our mother? We have to be born of the Spirit. Amen? Okay? So there is something about Holy Spirit that is motherly. Okay? I am not saying Holy Spirit is 100% female and God is 100% male. I am not saying anything about gender or sexuality. But I am saying that there are feminine qualities to God. There are feminine qualities to Holy Spirit. And even Jesus refers to himself as a mother hen. Amen? Amen? So the things that we have as women that are feminine, we do get from God. Amen? 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 Okay. If these pictures that God uses to refer to himself are biblical, then imagining God solely as male, is that biblical? God himself does not have a problem referring to himself in the feminine form. Okay? Why do you think that language and pictures like that are hardly heard today? The world has a history of thinking less of women. I know, I've got Sophie's amen. <laughs> the world has a history of oppressing women and thinking of them, of them as less. In, in the Bible times when Jesus came, women were property. Like, it was like women, like there's, there's a quote from a famous rabbi back then, Rabbi Eliezer, and he says, the words of the Torah should burn rather than be taught to a woman. This, this has plagued world history since the beginning of time. Okay? Women are disposable, they're property, they're less, something's wrong with them. Okay? From the beginning of time, do you remember what God said? about um, the, the snake and Eve, that there would be enmity between him and her, okay? Guess who the enemy came after to war against hard? 
from the beginning of time. Because through her seed, which is Jesus, his head would be crushed. Amen? But that is a war that continues until today. Amen? Maybe we feel it less in America, but it is rampant. Amen? Um, so I just want to submit something to you. Um, I, I have done tons and tons of study. Um, I, I am a teacher by nature. Like, if it's not in the Word of God, it is not true. I have, I have a fear of the Lord in that. Um, and so I, I had to study out Scripture before I preached a word. Because there, there are scriptures that talk about women not preaching in church, and I take God very seriously, and I would never wink at a scripture and just say, meh, I'm just going to preach anyway. That's, that's not my heart. That's not my makeup. That's not my wiring. Um, and so I, I looked at scriptures like that. Women shouldn't teach in the church. Women should be silent and things like that. And there is this, um, if, you, if you don't understand the heart of God and the full story that he tells and the context of when those scriptures came out and what they're actually saying, if God really is saying, women, shh, only the men can speak, and you're not allowed to teach, and you're not allowed to have any kind of authority at all, what are you going to think of women in God's eyes? There's something wrong with them. There's something less. Maybe there's nothing wrong with them, but men are just a little bit better. Men are just a little bit wiser. Maybe they can handle the power better. You know, there's going to be subconscious reasonings that you're going to give yourself as to why God would disqualify women and not men. So I submit to you that part of that misunderstanding is part of why we may not be seeing God in the full picture of who he is, both male and female. Amen? Because if women are less, then I'm not going to put that image on God. He can't be less. He can't be dumber. He can't be less wise. He can't be more prone to deception. Amen? So um, I, there, there's more scriptures and stuff that we're going to talk about. Chris Valentin does an amazing job. So um, I am going to let him have a few minutes of my message this morning. Because <laughs> I'm like, you know, I don't want to just regurgitate what he says. He just, he does such a good job. And, um, and we're going to talk more about that in a minute. So if we can go ahead and just show that video. Um, yeah, here we go. most restricted verse in the entire Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 34. The women are to keep silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak, but are, sub but are to subject themselves, just as the law also says. If they desire to learn anything, let them ask their own husbands at home, for it's improper for a woman to speak in church. Verse 36. Was it from you that the word of God first went forth? Or has it come to you only? Verse 37. If anyone thinks he's a prophet or spiritual, let him recognize that the things which I wrote to you are the Lord's command. But if anyone does not recognize this, he is not recognized. Now, there's two schools of thought. And I'm going to tell you about the first one. You've probably heard it if you've been in church for very long. And if they let women talk when they both come through the doors, they have a reason for that. <laughs> they, they think this is contextual. And here's what they think the context is. Men sat on one side of the room and women sat on the other side. And they thought, you know, during the teaching that women would actually shout questions to their husband on the other side of the room. And there was this chaos. And therefore, Paul said, women, you're the ones causing the trouble. So in church, be quiet. Don't talk at all. 
And so that's one way to solve the issue. Now, it is true that women sat on one side and men sat on the other. We know that, that through tradition, that that is traditionally true, that men and women did not sit on the same side of the church, on the same side of the room. Here's the, here's the struggle with that. First of all, we're not talking to the Hebrews who would have understood Old Testament law. Are you with me? In other words, if we were talking to Jews, it would make sense that men knew things that women didn't because men were taught the Torah and the women weren't. Are you with me? We're talking to the Corinthians who were polytheists. They, they, they all came out of Greek mythology, so the men don't know any more than the women do. Secondly, if this verse, if Paul was saying to them, you have to ask, listen, wives, ask your husbands at home, what do you do with the fact that Paul said it's better to not marry so all the women who have no husbands have no one to ask? And it goes on. Or now you're listening, I can tell. Or you're totally bored. <laughs> and I'll just take that you're listening. The other way to answer this question is with this, would you put that um, shot on the screen up, please? The other way to read this question, the other way to read this is as a question. In other words, women are to keep silent in the churches. This is the one, this is a way that some theologians believe this should be read. Women are to be silent in the church, for they are not permitted to speak, but are to subject themselves, just as the law says. If they desire to learn anything, let them ask their own husbands at home, for it's improper for a woman to speak in church. Okay, after that verse, there's this little thing, that, that, that explicit of disassociation. Do you see that? That little end, that thing that looks like an end? It's at the end of this verse. The, the closest, there is, no, there is no perfect translation for it in English, which is why a whole but no translator translates it, but it means, what? No way, nonsense, it can't be. It's at the end of this. Are you with me? So it would read like this. The women are to keep silent in the churches. They're not permitted to speak. They're subject to themselves, just as the law says. If they desire to learn anything, let them ask their own husbands at home, for it's improper for a woman to speak in church. What? No way. No way. And then Paul answers with this. Was it from you the word of God first came forth, or has it come forth to you only? And he goes on to say, I'm sorry. It goes on to say, if anyone thinks he's a prophet or spiritual, let him recognize that the things which I write to you are the Lord's command. But if anyone does not recognize this, he's not recognized. Verse 36, the previous verse. Was it from you the word of God came first, uh, came forth, or has it come only to you? In other words, in between verse 35 and 36, there's that little line that goes, what? No way. What are you saying? And then Paul's answer. Did the word of God just come from you? Or did it just come to you? Listen, what I'm sharing with you is the Lord's command. If anybody does not recognize this, and they think they're spiritual, and they don't recognize this, they're not recognized. Now, how many of you know that makes sense? Now, I'll tell you why it makes sense. Because in 1 Corinthians 11, we have six minutes. We will not do this justice. 
In 1 Corinthians 11, we, we're not going to take the time to read through it, so I'm going to just explain it to you. Paul says that Christ is the head of every man. Man is the head of every woman. Oh, I know why I missed it. God is the head of Christ. Christ is the head of every man, and man is the head of every woman. Now, here's, here's the problem. The word woman and the word wife are the same, right? The word in the Greek. The word man and the word husband are the same in the Greek. So there's two ways to read that passage. If you read it, God is the head of Christ. Christ is the head of man. Man is the head of woman. You have more restrictive gospel than the curse. Because the curse put women, put wives under husbands, but did not put men over women. So if you read that verse as man is head of wife, then you have a more restrictive gospel than they had before the fall. Or after the fall, I should say. Are you, are you following where I'm going? 16, there's 43 versions that are really accessible of the New Testament. 16 of those versions translate that woman, man. The, all the other versions translated wife, man, husband, wife. Are you with me? Okay, so then it goes on to say if a wife has her head covered, a wife needs to have her head covered while she's praying or prophesying for the sake of the angels. Got me? Now, there's so much to say that we're not going to be able to say in four minutes. But here's the point that Paul makes in 1 Corinthians 11. As long as women are in right order, then they can pray and they can prophesy. Are you with me? Follow me. Okay, let's see, let's just see if we can do the Corinthian road, because they have the Roman road, so we can do the Corinthian road. The Corinthian thought, let's just, let's just gain momentum to this verse. In 1 Corinthians 7, a man does not own his own body, but his wife does, and vice versa, but we're talking about the opposite right now, right? Okay, in 1 Corinthians 11, a woman has to be in right well, alignment with her husband, but when she is, she can pray and she can prophesy. Are you with me? In 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 14, we're told you can all prophesy, and by the way, you can all teach, you can all have a psalm, you can all have a hymn, you can all have ministry, all of y'all. Got me? But at the end of 1 Corinthians 14, he says, women shouldn't speak in church, and just as the law says. Well, there's, there's quite a few problems with that. First of all, you can read the whole entire law, and there's not one place in the Old Testament law that says that women can't speak. So whoever wrote that doesn't know the law. I would propose to you that can't be the words of the Apostle Paul because he's an expert in the law. You with me? Secondly, it does not make sense that for 14 chapters, Paul says women are equal. Guys, get a life. Women are equal. They have equal gifts. They can equally access 
God. They can, have, they can move in power. By the way, they can teach and have hymns and songs and spiritual songs. Women can do that. It doesn't make sense that you can say all that and say, well, women can't speak in church. I mean, it's opposite of everything else he said for 14 chapters. So my, there's a couple ways to read this, but my, the old idea that men are, women are shouting to ask men questions, it doesn't make sense because men, these men are polytheists. They don't know a thing about Judaism. They don't know a thing about the Old Testament. They wouldn't have answers. They would shout back, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so that doesn't make sense to me. And then we have the imperative that I showed you up on the screen. That, Paul, that right after that, that sentence, it says it has an imperative. Like, no way. Ha, that's nonsense. That's crazy. That, how could that be true? And by the way, did the word of God first come to you? Did it only come to you? Did it only come through you? That makes sense. And that's a good word right there. <laughs> and we have one minute <laughs> and we have two more verses we haven't talked about so I will just say this Jesus loves you <laughs> and if you're a woman if you got to hear the rest of the verses you're free <laughs> amen <laughs> amen yeah, we're, we're, we're just going to talk a little bit about a few things and hit some major points. I, I once did, um, I think it was like five or six week course on just this topic um, in, in church. We did a Bible study on it specifically where we addressed everything more specifically. Obviously, we don't have time for that in, in just one message, um, but uh, we'll just hit some things real quick. So when it talks about um, God is the head of Christ, Christ is the head of husband Husband is the head of the wife, okay? What, what we need to understand in kingdom leadership, what this looks like is he who leads is bringing up the person ahead of them. So if you are an apostle, you are in the lowest position. An apostle is low, and an apostle is equipping saints to do the work of the service. This is what leadership looks like in this church. This is what leadership looks like in the kingdom, okay? If you want to be first, you got to be last, Okay, so you are serving the needs and the purpose of the, of the next person. Okay, so when you look up the word head, it literally means source, as in like a, a, a lake that's a source for a river. So God is a source for Jesus. Jesus is a source for husbands, and husbands are a source for their wives. Amen? I am not going against leadership. Please hear me say there is leadership on men. Do you hear me say that? There is leadership in marriages on the man, okay? That doesn't mean that the woman doesn't have some, some form of leadership and that kind of thing. But let's redefine what leadership looks like because too often we describe leadership as overpowering. I'm going to tell you what to do and I'm going to hold you down. In what way does God hold Jesus back from doing anything? What does God do for Jesus? Go! He glorifies him. He empowers him. Amen? In what way does Jesus hold back men? Zero. Everything I can do, you can do. And you're going to do it more and better than me. That's Jesus' leadership of men. What should the leadership look like for a husband and a wife? 
Go, I am empowering you. I am blessing you. I'm getting behind you and the things that God has placed inside of you. Amen? It is not meant to be a, I'm holding you down because you're just a woman. Amen? Okay, because that's not how God does leadership. Amen? Husbands ruling, as in that kind of oppression, over their wives is part of the curse. What does that mean? That's not God's original design. Amen? Sons of Adam, are you redeemed from the curse? Daughters of Eve, are you redeemed from the curse? Amen? But the Bible gives specific instruction for wives to submit. (laughs) Ephesians 5 starts out, submit one to another. Okay? Now let's take it back to that time period when this is being preached. In this time period, women are property. A man could divorce his wife for any reason, but she can no longer remarry. She's just disposable and she's poor and whatever, and he can have as many wives as he wants, basically. Okay? She's property. She's nothing. You know, they're, they're not worthy to even be taught the Torah. Rather, I die than teach the woman the Torah. Okay? What is the crazy teaching to them? Is it wives submit to husbands or is it submit one to another? The, the purpose of laying out that teaching was not to highlight the fact women need to be held down. The highlight was husbands submit to your wife. Can you imagine their reaction to that teaching? They'd be like, What? This is heresy. No wonder they wanted to kill Paul. (laughs) No wonder it offended every religious bone in their body. Amen? What was actually like shocking to them was to hear husbands love your wives because that was not a requirement before. That's like unheard of. I have to love my wife? She's property. She's like cattle. She belongs to me. I can put her away and get another one. I'm supposed to love my wife as Christ loved the church? Amen? It's really easy to submit to a dead man. (laughs) As, as, As we're submitted to Jesus more and more, the easier it is for us to submit one to another. Amen? The shocking thing of that teaching was actually that men had any need to submit to a woman ever but it says, submit one to another. Amen? First Timothy 2 talks about, I don't allow a woman to have authority. If you look up the word authority, it literally means to slap with the back of the hand. I don't allow a woman to slap a man with the back of the hand. It's a picture of usurping. It's a picture of authority that's taken. Amen? Make sense? Elders' qualifications. It talks about an elder is supposed to be a husband of one woman, and it has all these things or whatever, and so people use that. See, women can't be elders, except for the fact Then it says, women, here's your qualifications. But it's translated elders' wives. When really, if you go back, it's men, these are your qualifications. Women, these are your qualifications. Amen? Um, if, you, if you want more, if you want to study more, because I know, like, for me, when I heard a teaching like this, like, I'm, I'm going to go check sources. I'm going to go look it up in the Greek and the Hebrew. Like, I'm not just going to believe somebody that's just saying stuff like that, okay? So if you want more, um, there's an awesome book called Ten Lies the Church Tells Women by J. Lee Grady. 
Um, really, anything by Jay Lee Grady is really awesome. There's also a book called Why Not Women, and that's by Lauren Cunningham and David Joel Hamilton. And then Chris Vallotton has a book called Fashion to Rain. Danny Silk has Powerful and Free, I think it's called. And um, yeah, there's, there's awesome, I mean, there's more resources than that, but those ones are really great if you want to look that up um, and study it more. Um, and I, I recommend that you do. Like, if this isn't straight in your heart, I, I, I say, I bless you. Do that. Please do that. Um, it's important. Um, so can there be female apostles? Let's put up Romans 16.7. Romans 16.7, greet Andronicus and Junius, <laughs> which is funny. Um, if, you, if you look at the New King James translation, and really most translations, it says Andronicus and Junia, my kinsmen and my fellow prisoners who are outstanding among the apostles who also were in Christ before me. The name Junia is the original name in the Greek, and it's a female name. And in translations like this one, they put an S on the end to turn it into a man's name because they're like, a woman can't be an apostle, right? So we're just going to add an S. Okay? Can there be female deacons? Romans 16, 1-2 talks about Phoebe. Um, Phoebe is called deaconos. Everywhere else in the Bible it's translated deacon, but the translation is changed before Phoebe's name to call her a servant. But the word is deacon. Can there be female teachers? Romans 16.3 talks about Priscilla and her husband Aquila. And they're, they're commended. Listen to Priscilla and Aquila. They're teachers of the word. Okay? Interesting enough, they're always called Priscilla and Aquila, but most translations from the Greek will flip them and put Aquila's name first because that's the male's name. Can females be pastors? Colossians 4.15 talks about Nympha. Greet Nympha and the church that is in her house. Some people will say, well, maybe she was just the hostess. Maybe she was just baking cookies. Well, then why didn't they greet the leader of the church? Why would he only greet the hostess? You know, like, like we're going to have, like, baptisms at the box home. And if someone were to greet, they'd be like, greet Pastor Daniel, who's going to be doing baptisms at the box home. They wouldn't say, greet Diane and Ken. <laughs> right? Whoever's leading the meeting is the one who's going to be greeted, amen? But they don't. They greet Nympha. Okay? Can women be workers of ministry? Philemon 4, 2-3 talks about Yodia and Syntyche, who are both females. Paul calls them fellow workers who have, who have shared in his struggle. Fellow workers who have shared in his struggle. Are they just baking cookies for the men's meeting? I submit to you, no. Okay? <laughs> Some of us, you don't want us making cookies. <laughs> I'm looking in Angela's direction. <laughs> okay, the woman at the well. Jesus empowered her. The, the disciples were offended. They're like, why are you talking to a woman, and why are you talking to a Samaritan? That's like double jeopardy. Why would you do that? Okay? And uh, she went, and she evangelized her whole town. Her whole town got rocked and came to know Jesus. I'm so glad that she didn't keep silent. Amen? Jesus re resurrected and revealed himself to woman, women and told them to go tell the men. Jesus did not have a problem empowering women. Amen? All right. If, if none of that makes sense to you, and if you still want to be legalistic about scriptures that you see um, in, in the New Testament, and again, it's like, it's like what Chris Vallotton was saying all the time. It's like, you all shall prophesy. You all shall step into these things. If they wanted to limit it to just men, he should have done that a lot. Like, at best, he's confused. 
okay? Um, but look at the Old Testament, Deborah, chapters 4 and 5. Deborah is a prophetess to the nation of Israel, appointed by God, okay? She commanded an army, and she judged the nation of Israel for 40 years. In the Old Testament, under the Old Covenant, a powerful woman. What does it mean to judge in the Old Testament? That means when people had a dispute about the law, they would bring it to the judge, and the judge would interpret the law, would interpret the scripture, would say, this is the decision that needs to be made in this affair or this, this type of thing. And on top of that, she's a prophetess. She's a mouthpiece of God. Should she be quiet? If, if that were out of the will of God, she should have been struck dead in the Old Testament. Amen? Move away from Deborah because holy fire is going to come burn her up. Amen? 40 years. So something has to be missing that if that's under Old Covenant, Old Testament, and then Jesus comes and dies on a cross, and now it's women shut up and be quiet. You're not allowed to speak, and you're not allowed to have any kind of authority. You can hold a Fortune 500 company. Maybe you can be a missionary if you go away and are out in a village somewhere. But don't you prophesy in the church. All sons and daughters will prophesy, but not in the church. Anywhere but the church. Does that make any sense? Is God confused? No. no. People get offended at the thought that Nympha could have actually had a church in her home that she led. When under the old covenant, a woman judged and prophesied over an entire nation for 40 years with God's blessing and God's appointment. Amen? Why would the new covenant suddenly be more restrictive on women? Let's put up Joel 2.28 on the screen. Joel 2.28, again in the Old Testament, it will come about after this that I will pour out my spirit on all mankind. Someone say, all mankind. And your sons and your who? Daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Okay? In the Old Testament, it was prophesied. Holy Spirit's going to be poured out on all y'all. All y'all are going to prophesy. Just not in the church building makes no sense. God's not confused. Let's put up Galatians 3.28. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free man. There is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Amen? We are all one in Christ. We're all one in Christ. Amen? So, for women to rise up and lead, I am not saying, come and be like a man. And men, I'm not telling you, come and be like a woman. Of course, we're going to be like the way God created us, and we're going to lead the way God created us. We're going to prophesy the way God created us. So I'm not saying, there's no gender roles, and we're just going to you know, push some liberal agenda. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying, look at the word of God in its full context. Look at the heart of God and what he's saying to us. And look at the heart of God and look at what he's saying about himself. Because we better have the fear of the Lord if we are not wanting to look at any feminine part of God, and he really is. Then that is actually blasphemy. I had to come to a place of repentance that my reaction to that was major offense. 
Again, I'm not saying let's all refer to God as she, okay? I'm not saying let's just change it and flip it the other way. I'm not saying that. But my heart was offended. And the Lord started talking to me about it. And I'm like, I had to repent. I'm like, God, I am so sorry that I rejected part of who you are. And in rejecting part of who you are, I rejected who I am and my own identity. Amen? There was a correction to the Lord, from the Lord to me. Amen? Jesus was counterculture with women. He broke the rules. Okay? If this feels new to you, I totally get it. Please don't hear me as some angry, like, feminazi who's trying to, like, push, you know, whatever. Like, that's, that's not who I am. That's not me. Um, and I get it. Like, go check it out. Go study it out. Go read it in the Word. Don't take my word for it, please, because I wouldn't. I, I, I go check sources. Okay? Um, I would not be preaching at all if, if I didn't believe with everything in me that this is true. Is it possible that our misunderstanding of women's ability or even blessing to teach or hold authority in the church has caused us to skew our perspective of who God is? That we, be, we would be offended at part of who he is. We would be offended at him and his own word and how he describes himself as a mother. But that pronoun she feels so offensive. He uses it. Why do you think there would be such a war against empowering women? Do you think the enemy would maybe have a plan to silence half of the Christians on the planet? Probably more than half. That's a pretty good plan, isn't it? To make half of the population feel like, just be quiet, sit down, shut up, and don't do anything. Amen. And again, like I, I am for whatever role the Lord has put on you. Like, I'm not saying every woman needs to go get a job or go preach in a church and, you know, whatever. I was a stay-at-home mom. I loved being a stay-at-home mom. Like, you go be you as God calls you to be you. But I don't want anyone to feel limited from something that God has placed inside of them where they're going to lay their baby in a gift box and shrink away and say, somebody else. How many of you know, and, and I, I so appreciate single dads, okay? But how many of you know that a single dad family is not ideal? Amen? Yeah. Like, that's, that's not like the ideal family. I know that that happens, so it's like no shame, no condemnation toward anyone that has that going on, okay? Um, but church is family. Like, kingdom is family. I love what Bill Johnson says. He says, the kingdom is family. Kingdom government is family. So the second you move away from family, you're actually moving away from kingdom principle. Okay? Kingdom is family. So look at the church today. Where is mom? We see fathers of houses. And we need to see more fathers. And men, arise. (laughs) But where are the moms? Where's mom? Where's mom represented in our families? We have a lack of female role models, probably because they're shrinking back and hiding because they feel bad for themselves. Amen? Again, we're not trying to lead and be like men. You know, I'm, I'm fairly feminine, <laughs> right? And I lead in my feminine way, right? Amen? We need moms. We need a mom in Father God. 
Amen? We know in the natural, it's not the healthiest thing to only have a dad. That's not ideal. So in God, we have father and we do have mother. We have that nurture. We have that protective. Amen? So, so what, I'm, what I'm saying to you and, and to women specifically is not just to awaken. We're Awaken Life Church, so we're always awakening stuff, right? That's so woke. <laughs> so we're not just saying to awaken, but we're saying arise. Arise, okay? You don't have to wait to have the blessing of a man. You can arise. I'm not saying, women, take over the world and start telling your husband what to do. It's not what I'm saying. Please don't hear me say that, okay? But we are not victims, okay? We need to arise, okay? We don't have to wait for a man to come and say, go, do it, right? And they are doing it, and it's awesome. I love, I love my husband and his heart for women, okay? Um, he totally has my back. He is a source to me, amen? He's like, go, be powerful, okay? We need to arise and not feel like victims. Do men get disempowered when women are empowered? No. no. Again, as we already talked about, darkness doesn't shine. Darkness only increases when the light shrinks back. So women, if you are not taking the place that God has intended for you, it doesn't give place for a man. It gives place to the enemy. It's not a zero-sum game, is that what you said? I don't know what that means, but yes and amen. <laughs> That's probably a sports analogy that I don't get, because I'm a woman, right? <laughs> amen. When, when women don't take the place that God has called them to, it's not making room for a man to come and take that, because guess what? The calling and the gifting is irrevocable. Amen? So if you don't take that place, you're giving that place up to darkness and to the enemy. Amen? Um, this, is, this is what I feel like the Lord wants out of this, is to accept him for all that he is. And in so doing that, we're going to accept who we are. Amen? I literally had to repent for rejecting half of who God is. His, his favorite um, comparison for who he is is marriage, and specifically sex in marriage. It's like, this is a beautiful image. This is the representation of me on the earth. Half man, half woman. Amen? That's like the great mystery. Amen? It's interesting. Like, again, it's not the Holy Spirit is 100% feminine. And, you know, it's not, it's not like that. There's all of it encompassed in all three of the Trinity. Okay? But what's the one member of the Trinity that you don't mess with? Holy Spirit. <laughs> it's like Father God's like, you can mess with me, and Jesus, you can mess with him, but don't touch Holy Spirit. Like, they have this, like, protection of Holy Spirit. Amen? And they're all in unity with one another. God isn't oppressing and holding down Jesus. God's like, yes, Jesus, go, go do it. They're in unity. Jesus is like, yes, you need Holy Spirit. I'm going to go away so you can have Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit's like, I'm going to tell you how to glorify Jesus. And Jesus is like, I'm going to be the exact representation of Father God. Amen? So it's like they're in constant unity and empowering one another. This is the model that we need to go after. Amen? In our lives, in our marriages, in church, all of it. Amen? Amen. I had to repent for thinking that feminine is weaker, is evil, 
because of experiences that I've had with women. I'll just, I'll just say it for real. I used to literally say all the time, women are evil because I met too many that were. <laughs> I'm like, I don't trust them. I don't like them, right? But it's, I had a stronghold, and so that's another story, okay? I thought that women were more prone to deception. I thought that they weren't strong leaders, okay? I actually had to repent to the Lord for that because I was fearfully and wonderfully made. Amen? So I just want to encourage you, like, I, I had to walk through this process myself. Like, if this, if this is hard for you to accept, like, in the spirit, there might be some women that you need to forgive in your life. Like, for real. Like, if, if there's, like, if you have a, a rough time, I know today's Mother's Day, but if you have a rough relationship with your mother, um, or just women in your life, or maybe women have burned you, or, or whatever, um, I highly, highly, highly recommend um, maybe just spending time in the presence of God and just asking, is, is, do I have any unforgiveness in my heart towards women in general? Or do I have strongholds in my heart about women? And just see, see what Holy Spirit says to you. Um, that's, that's one of the quickest ways to freedom is to release forgiveness. And one of the quickest ways to uh, have demonic oppression is to walk in unforgiveness. And again, that's another message. It's like a beacon for, for the enemy. Okay? So... Um, Women, could you, could you stand up for me? And I just want to pray over you and bless you. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So, yeah. <laughs> thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. God, I thank you, Father, for your word. I thank you, Father, for your heart for women. God, I thank you, Lord, that you are awesome and amazing. I thank you, Father, that we as women do have our identity in you. And I just thank you for that, God. I thank you, Jesus, that we are not misfits, that we were not formed from a garbage pile, that we weren't just spare parts that you grabbed, God, but that we were made from your image. And we just honor, whoa, yeah, we just honor the feminine in you, the part of us that we get from you. We honor you, Jesus. We honor you with holy fear in our hearts, the part of you that we get our identity from. We honor you. We honor you, God. We honor you, God. And right now, in the name of Jesus, I just release freedom in this room to the women. I just break every shackle and every chain, every lie, every stronghold that we've believed that for some reason God is disqualifying us, that there must be something wrong with us, that there must be some reason that we can't do the things that we thought we couldn't do. I break that right now in Jesus' name and I declare you are free and I awaken you right now and I encourage you, arise, arise to the place that God has given you. Arise to the place that God is calling you to. God is calling you to. Follow him. Be awakened and arise. In Jesus' name, you have permission to be powerful. You have permission to be powerful. You have permission to represent God. You don't just have permission, you have blessing. If Deborah can rule a nation, what can you do? 
If Deborah can rule a nation, what can't you do? I break off every spirit of condemnation and fear off of you in Jesus' name. And I just want to say, say one more thing. Um, I feel like the Lord has it um, on my heart today on Mother's Day. And you can just keep your eyes closed and let's just stay in that place of prayer. Um, I know that for many people, Mother's Day is a hard day. Um, maybe because uh, mothers have passed on. Maybe we didn't have the greatest mother. Maybe there's difficulties or strains in that relationship right now. And um, I really feel like the Lord um, just wants to go after that and just assure you that in the same way that we can heal our father wounds in Father God, that we can heal our mother wounds and get the nurture and the things that we need from God and from that mothering, nurturing, comforting side to him. So I just want to encourage you, um, Lord, I just pray, Father, that you would just um, highlight any areas of, of pain or wounding, Lord. And I pray that you would go in and just start to heal those places in Jesus' name. I thank you, God, that you compare yourself to a mother hen wrapping wings around her young. And I just pray, Father, that we would all feel that mothering, nurturing embrace you nurturing us and feeding us and caring for us and fiercely protecting us like a, like a mother bear. I thank you, God, for that side of you that gives us birth, that encourages us. The part of you that gives us wisdom when we need it. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And right now, in the name of Jesus, I just bless healing to every emotional wound, every hurt, every pain. God, any place where there's unforgiveness, would you just unearth that right now? Lord, that we would be set free from those things in Jesus' name. I thank you that your word promises, God, that you, um, that you heal the brokenhearted and you bind up the wounds. So I just thank you that you're just coming in like a mother right now and just healing those places where we never felt comforted, where we could never run and just, and just be hugged and loved. I pray, Father, you would just be that right now, that tenderness that we need from a mother. I thank you, Father, that we can find that in you. That beautiful lullaby that you would sing over us like a mother, that we can find that in you. The softness that we need, the comfort, we can find that in you. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are our comforter. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And I just want to speak a mother's blessing over you. So again, just with all eyes closed and just in that place of prayer, I just want to speak a mother's blessing over you and just like a blessing from God's heart. But from me uh, specifically uh, in that mother form, um, I just want to bless you. So I bless you, my child. I bless you to be fruitful and to prosper in everything you put your hand to. That is my wish and my desire for you in your life. I bless you to enjoy your life. I want you to enjoy your life. I want that so much for you. I bless you to enjoy the fruits of your labor to take times of rest. I bless you to rest. I bless you to feel 
And anytime you have feelings that are hard or difficult, that you can come and you can bring them to Holy Spirit and just be wrapped up in a mother's embrace and let those feelings out the way you would cry on a mother's shoulder. I bless you to feel feelings. I bless you to feel nurtured and loved by God. I bless you to receive kisses from heaven, squeezes on the cheeks and affection the way a mother pours out affection. And it's just like a mother can like see no wrong in her child. And I just bless you to receive that from God. I bless you to honor your heart the way a mother is always looking after the, the, the hearts of her children. I bless you to honor your heart. You don't have to be strong and stern all the time, but I bless you to feel your own heart and honor that heart. I bless you to be weak at times because when you are weak, God is strong. Thank you, Jesus. I bless you to love and be loved and be everything that you're called to be. I bless you with encouragement. I bless you with compassion. I bless you with tenderness and to always feel those things from the Lord at the exact right moment. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap this morning. So good. So good. Everybody's still here, too. <laughs> Man, I'm so proud of you. Yeah. I'm so proud of you. Um, I'm so glad we're in a culture that uh, empowers women. Amen. 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 That we get to be a part of that culture. And it's God's heart. It's God's heart to empower women. It's Jesus' heart to empower women. Amen. I love one thing that struck me when we were talking today is um, when Jesus came, he came to reveal Father. But then he said, it's good that I go away because I'm sending the Holy Spirit, the nurturer. Like, this completes the picture. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. So what an awesome message. So, yeah. Am I missing anything? <laughs> yeah, happy Mother's Day. Yeah. 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 Amen. Happy Mother's Day. Yeah.